0: Good morning, church family. I am really excited to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Uh, what what the Word of God teaches us about joy uh, is absolutely life-changing. Uh, and and life so often uh, can seem like a journey. I like that metaphor. It's one that we use often, that life is like a journey. And, and on the journey of life, so many of us Everybody is looking for something. Uh, We're we're all searching for something on this journey. And in 1 Thessalonians, we've talked about some of the things uh, that Paul speaks life into the Thessalonian Christians about. Because so many of the things that he addresses are things we're looking for in life. Uh, We we are looking for peace. We are looking for hope. We we are looking for for love. Today, I'm going to talk about what so many of you have lived through, and that is joy. We are looking for joy. Turn with me, if you would, into First Thessalonians chapter 2. And while you do that, I want to mention something. And I'm going to keep this brief, and I spend a little extra time on contribution and communion, because we should have, as a church, already had two powerful experiences of joy. To, to have the opportunity to participate in the work of the Lord, to contribute, is a joy-promoting moment. To commune in the presence of God through the power of God's Son, by the Spirit of God, that is a joy-promoting moment. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul shares with us the jewel of his joy. Now, I've got a statement for you on the screen, and this is the way this search, this quest looks like for most of us in our lives. Uh, We're we're seeking joy, but we, we get caught up in this idea of happiness. And I want to tell you this morning, church family, that happiness is something that happens. Happiness happens. It's brief. It's not lasting. Talked about the peace of God being internal versus the peace of the world being external. Happiness is something related to external circumstances. When my team wins the big game, I'm happy. When things in life seem to go my way, I'm happy. You and I, when we hit every traffic light on green between our place of work and our home, come on, somebody, we feel happy. Those are all, and that happened to me not long ago, and I thought about this, and I thought, Lord, you gave me that experience so I could communicate that to our church. And God, before our church, you can give me that experience again in the name of the Lord. Happiness happens. It's when things in life seem to go our way And if it's not that that kind of takes us off course in our journey for joy So many of us can get caught up in the in the quest for pleasure Which is passing I wanted to give you two examples the first in a committed relationship When a dating couple decides their relationship is going to be a long-term commitment A chemical is released in your body called phenylethylamine, P-E-A, and it only lasts for three years. Which is why so many people find that between year three and year seven, they hit this wall. We actually labeled that the seven-year itch because it's about halfway, completely used up at year three. By year seven, there's no more P-E-A. The physical pleasure in life is passing. Right, there, there's another there's another phenomenon in life. You can research this by your third bite of ice cream. The ice cream loses its flavor. Come on, somebody who had more than three bites this weekend. I took it upon myself to test this theory. Bought a couple of quarts of Dairy Queen soft serve. Uh, it was a five bite uh, flavor loss experience. But it's the same thing. Your taste buds get conditioned to what you're eating. And and literally, what you're eating loses flavor. You've experienced that, which is why we eat more at a buffet. Romance, substance use, experiencing a payoff as a result of gambling are all physical, pleasure-based phenomenons. None of them last. Joy... Biblical joy, which is the only true joy, the only real and authentic joy in life, biblical joy is lasting. Joy is lasting. Joy is absolutely spiritual. And the spiritual world encompasses both the physical and emotional worlds in which we live. So if you experience biblical joy, that's going to influence other areas, especially your emotional and your physical areas of life the bible then is the absolute authority and only reliable source of information on joy i'm a trained therapist some of you know that and so i'm you i'm always i'm constantly working with people and i'm i'm trying to give them some tips on how to find joy and i'm trying to help heal hurts that make joy a barrier and i was and as i was preparing for this I really had my heart challenged. Here's the first really important thought on how to get joy in your life if that's what you really desire. Stop looking for it. Stop looking for it. When we set out to find joy, what we really mean is Trent is looking for comfort, Trent's looking for satisfaction, Trent wants good feelings that are lasting, Trent is seeking joy, and the center of that search is me. It's a self-centered, and let me take it a step farther, it's a selfish quest. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing that starts off selfish or self-centered can end in biblically defined joy. Your life cannot be about you. Your goals in life cannot be about you. Your journey in life cannot be about you. And I would have erred this morning had I taught you that there are things you should be doing so that you, as the center of your universe, can find a joy that lasts for you. Stop looking for it. And some of us need to repent because we've made ourselves the center of our own universe. And the joy we seek really isn't about what the Bible teaches us it's about. it's about us. And that's absolutely why we have a hard time finding it. Let's go to First Thessalonians two, and let's learn what the Bible teaches us about a lasting, real, authentic joy. First Thessalonians two verse seventeen. The Apostle Paul is addressing the Thessalonian Christians, and he says this, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, literally in person, he says, not in thought, he's saying his thoughts were with them, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way, just chasing a rabbit trail for two seconds, the way Satan attacked Paul is by keeping him from people that he desperately loved. There's something to that, and it has everything to do with what we're going to be talking about today. I just wanted you to earmark it, and you got to ask yourself the question. Is the way the enemy trying to attack you, keeping you away from God's people and your purpose? So often the way the enemy attacks us is by keeping us from circumstances that make us happy or circumstances in which we can feel pleasure because those are our priorities, Because people and God's purpose is Paul's priority, that's where the enemy attacked him. The principle I wanted to teach you this morning based on this verse is, where the enemy is attacking you is the easiest place to find what you are really revolving your life around. Satan blocks Paul because he says, what is our hope Listen to this word. What is our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus? When he comes, he's speaking to the Thessalonian Christians. He says something really significant. Is it not you? In verse 20, he says, indeed, you are our glory and wow, our joy. Now that's not how we would describe things in our life that give us joy, which really we usually mean happiness. At other people, and remember who this church is, these are broken, messed up, immature, needy, extra grace required kinds of Christians. The kind of people that would give most of us, be honest with yourself here, a headache from the pain they are in our necks. And Paul is telling these guys, you guys are our, our glory and our joy. What in the world? So let's dig really deep into this text. I want you to follow with me here. It is obvious Paul's life was joyful. We've established that over the last few weeks. And here we see a really interesting and very significant statement about Paul's joy. He's literally letting us in on a secret of the genuineness and authenticity of lasting and real biblical joy. If you're taking notes, you need to underline the two words that that we have translated as joy in this text. They come from the Greek word chara. C-H-A-R-A. This word is used all over the New Testament. You know where it's used the very most? Chara? It's used most frequently in the Gospel of Luke. Now that makes sense. If real joy is found in God... And the way we really experience fellowship with God the Father is through the gift of Jesus Christ the Son. We would expect the story of Jesus Christ the Son to record the most instances of the word joy. How you experience joy. What rejoicing is like. Where joy comes from. How to get joy in your life. It's all centered around Jesus. It makes complete sense. And in Luke 15, there's a, in in Luke, man, I let you all in on it before I was ready to say it. In Luke's gospel, there is a chapter that centers around this idea, chara, joy. It's Luke 15. I already spoiled my surprise. And it's translated, rejoice. And joy in scripture is not simply a noun, it is a noun in First Thessalonians 2, but it's more than that. A noun is a person, place, thing, or idea. But joy for the Christian involves action. To rejoice. To do something that promotes rejoicing. And in Luke 15, we get a few parables from Jesus that tell us what chara, what joy, what rejoicing really is. What its point of origin actually is. What we can do... To glorify God and promote this idea of joy in our lives. I want to focus on three verses really quickly from Luke 15. You're going to know these stories. And I want you to study them and pray about them and absorb them this week. First, from Luke 15, is the parable of the lost sheep. There's a shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep. One sheep wanders off. The shepherd leaves the ninety-nine and goes and saves the one. And in Luke 15, verse 7... Jesus says, I'm telling you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing, more chara in heaven over one sinner who repents. Joy happens when a sinner repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Heaven literally is transformed when a sinner gets saved, when a lost person gets found, when someone repents. And you've been taught this before at this church, but repetition is your friend. Can I get an amen there? How remarkable, how incredible, how phenomenal that there is something that happens on earth that causes heaven itself to rejoice. Can you imagine that? And Jesus mentions this yet again to clarify And add some credibility to this powerful truth. The next parable is of a lost coin. The person has ten coins and the lady who has them loses one and she finds it. She experiences joy. And Jesus in Luke 15 regarding the parable of the lost coin. in verse 10 says, In this same way I tell you there is rejoicing, there is chara in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same Greek word. Chara, in the presence of the angels of God, literally, ladies and gentlemen, when a sinner repents, the angels themselves rejoice. And at this point, we're asking, God, you're talking about sheep and you're talking about a coin. Does that really mean us? And he ends this teaching on joy with this beautiful parable. You know it. The parable of the lost or of the prodigal son. And I'll abbreviate for you here. Jesus is teaching and continues his teaching by saying there was a wealthy man who had two sons. One son asks for his inheritance. Give me my share of the estate. Says the son so the father, divides up his property and sells it and, and gives each of them their inheritance. The prodigal son in verse 14 has spent everything on wild living. And as so often happens in our life When we have given ourselves over To happiness or pleasure We experience famine In our life Remember happiness happens It doesn't last Pleasure is passing It's physical It doesn't last The brother who is lost The prodigal who goes out and spends everything Experiences that truth That happiness and pleasure simply don't last And the pursuit of those things We so often experience famine And he says to himself. after this famine he's literally starving that as he's feeding these pigs it would be really nice to be able to eat what he's feeding them and in verse 19 Luke 15 he says I'm no longer worthy to be called your son after he has decided he's going to go home he says I'm going to ask my dad to make me like one of his hired servants he gets up and he goes to his father's house And the father sees him coming. The father runs. He puts a ring on his finger, a cloak around his shoulders. And they have a celebration. They are rejoicing. Because this son who was dead is alive again. This son who was lost now is found. This son who was in darkness is now back in the light. What a cause for rejoice. But someone in this story is not happy. And it's the faithful brother. Who becomes so angry he refuses to go into the house and his father comes out and pleads with him. And he answers, Father, after all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me even a young... You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who was out there squandering everything you'd given him with property and prostitutes and pleasure, you kill... The and calf for him, I've got this on screen for you. This is how this chapter and parable ends. The father said to the son, we, we had to celebrate and be glad. How could we not celebrate? Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. There are two sons in this story. Really quickly, one has a past pig pen. And everybody under the sound of my voice fits in one of these two categories. You either got a past pig pen, which is me. My past doesn't smell very good and it looks even worse. Or you have a past palace prison. Now this smells a little bit better and it looks a little bit better. But it's the exact same kind of depravity. You see, church family, there's no difference in self-indulgence between the two sons. One was self-indulgent and pursued pleasure and happiness and was totally destroyed and lost. The other son was self-righteous and was pursuing piousness and became prideful and became self-centered. The selfishness for each was the same. The sin for each was the same. The good news is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for both groups. Whether your past looks good or whether it smells really, really bad... All people can be brought in to the family of God by Christ the Son. The tragedy is some of us whose pasts look more like palaces have the same attitude as this, old, this other son, the faithful son. And we can look down our nose at people whose past pig pen really smells bad. And the opposite is true if we're, if we're going to be candid those of us who, who obviously have lived through some pigpen experiences can look down our nose at people who have seemed to grow up in palaces and we forget that it's the same sin, the same self-centeredness, the same selfishness. And Jesus wants to bring both groups home. He wants to bring both Groups into the family. He wants both groups to go from lost to found, from death. To life from darkness to light and that's God's purpose and plan in sending the son and it's his purpose and plan in saving you and if you've been converted and baptized into Christ and you are now a member of the kingdom and family of God that's God's purpose and plan for your life that's why we're so fired up at WFR to get to do what God's I got a special surprise for you this morning. I actually found some images of exactly what true, real, biblical joy actually looks like. And I want to share this with you. I've got these on screen. Just take a moment and look and see what God says really causes true joy. Mm-hmm.
1: thoughtlessly how it seems upset that Lord you give not what I am due but mercy you come to my rescue you come to my rescue you come to my rescue We're amazing love whose boundaries have no end and lord are you sure what a greater love can do by being there for my best you?
0: Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. that is real joy that's authentic joy that is genuine joy you want to know the secret to joy it's in the moment your life is transformed through your response to the gospel and in every moment that you live on mission and cause heaven itself to rejoice that's it when heaven rejoices your life over is overwhelmed it's overrun It's infected by real joy, true joy, authentic joy, genuine and lasting joy. Stop looking for joy yourself. You'll never find it. Start making heaven rejoice and you can't help but be overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord, your God, our Father in heaven. Praise the Lord. True joy truly comes from having a father that we know loves unconditionally past pig pens or past palace prisons. And not just from a father that loves unconditionally, but by knowing your purpose here on earth. Your purpose is to live transformed by the spirit. And lead others to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son by the power of the Spirit. And to know that you have a Savior named Jesus who is alive. Death literally could not keep its hold on him. He is resurrected. He is imperishable. Church family, he is indestructible and when we walk down the path come on that he has set before us then we know we too will be resurrected as he has been resurrected and we can rescue others by sharing the gospel so that they can experience resurrection too. somebody shout amen and give the lord a hand clap of praise this morning If what you saw on the screen doesn't excite you, I want to tell you why that is. If it doesn't excite you, it's because you either hadn't experienced it or because you don't understand really what's going on in that moment. Here's my question I want to challenge you with today. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? We have the words and the message of life itself that we can freely proclaim to anybody we come in contact with if we will just seek somebody out. And the person God is calling you to seek out, I promise you, He has already put on your mind and in your path. Seek them out. Be willing to do what God's called you to do. Seek Him out and share with them. Tell them about the way the gospel transformed your life and you went from lost to found, from darkness to light, from literal and spiritual death to experiencing life fully alive. And watch Jesus save people and let your life be absolutely overrun with joy. That's why, that's how we grow our church is we live Pursuing God's glory and making heaven rejoice the way we've been called to our lives overwhelm and are overrun by joy and we just cannot stop. We can't keep our mouths shut. I'm offering you the opportunity to get involved in that mission this morning. Some of you haven't because you just didn't know the mechanics. I've shared them with you this morning. Some of you haven't because you feel inadequate. Perfect. It's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with the power of God. And if you bought the lie that you're inadequate to fulfill the mission, please respond today. Surrender that lie and begin to live in truth. And if you have not responded to the gospel, today is the day, man. Today is the day. I want your picture up on screen. And then I want you to get to experience living on purpose and glorify God and make it heaven rejoice. And, and I want to see your life be overrun, overwhelmed, totally transformed with joy. So that you can rejoice all the time. That's why, God calls the, that's why Paul calls these guys his joy and his glory. Because he knows how broken he is and that it's by the power of God he was transformed. And can lead others by the gospel to a relationship with the Father. That's the secret. If there's a need in your life, after I pray, I invite you to respond. Let's bow. Lord God of heaven and earth, God of all joy, God who can use flawed, broken people by the power of your spirit, to transform other broken, messed up people. There's no word to describe how beautiful and profound that is. We're awestruck. Let our church be on mission. Let us stop waiting to share. Let us rise up boldly and make heaven rejoice and let your joy overwhelm our lives. Anyone with a need, I I encourage and ask your spirit's anointing power to strengthen, to come forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand while together we sing.